Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Well, I'm glad I came to worship this morning. just want to welcome everybody. Um, both those listening by way of radio and those who are going to come online on the church download. Soon we'll be live streaming, but for now we are a week behind. So if you're watching this this morning, you're celebrating seven days behind with a a group of God-loving, devil-chasing, Bible-believing Christians today. Amen. Come on, church. Let's greet them. Say good morning. Lovely to be gathered here with you dear folk in this church. And I, I want to correct myself because I'm trying not to say, let's go to church, meaning 10 Harvey Road. I think 10 Harvey Road is an address. It's a footprint where the church gathers. But that no ways diminishes or undermines that the church is where the twos and threes are gathered in biblical divine order, Jesus Christ being central. That is the church that he's building. And that church, my friend, he blessed and he still blesses. Like he did to Simon Peter when he said, blessed are you. Because, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But should we read the scripture together first and then I'll comment. In Matthew 16, verse 17, we should be quite familiar at this stage uh, how that Jesus had asked the disciples who the people were saying he was, and they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah. And then he turns it around and says, who do you say I am? You know, that's the most important question you're going to get asked. Who do you say I am? And I know everyone sitting here this morning, there was a time in your life where you had to answer that and say, Jesus Christ, you were dead, buried, and resurrected, and I put my faith in you, you are now my Lord and Savior. In essence, that's what is encoded into Peter's response when he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus goes on in verse 17, and he says, blessed are you, Simon Peter. Come on, say, I'm blessed. If you believe that, and you put your faith and confidence in what Jesus did on the cross, you are blessed along with the Apostle Peter. Because you got a revelation that didn't come from cerebral empirical deduction or just being clever. You got that revelation because the Spirit of God witnessed in your spirit that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the fulfillment of the promises to all ages. And he says in verse 18, I'll tell you that, you're Peter, Greek word stone, and on this rock, I believe that rock was referring to the revelation of who Christ as the uh, referral to, to building his church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, we've been looking at this in some detail over the past few weeks 
especially in terms of the church being the ecclesia, which they understood as being a gathering of two or three Roman citizens that represented the Roman government and authority. Where if they came under attack, the Roman Empire would come to their uh, defense because they were Roman citizens. We've looked at this uh, in depth over the last few weeks online, and those videos are still available for those who haven't been able to get them. But to say this, Jesus doesn't teach much about the church. He just makes the statement. But it's a very important statement that he's going to build his church. And in that statement, we see it's built. Jesus is the revelation on which the church is built. Number one, Jesus has a vested interest because it's his church. Say his church. Belongs to him. The body is his body. It's him. With the, he's the head. And it has its local uh, outworking in a geographical city or geographical suburb. But he has a vested interest because it's his church that he's building. And it's unstoppable. No matter what gets thrown against it, the church that has been through, he got it wrong. Because church is assembling in hundreds and thousands of homes all over the world. Unstoppable. The gate of hell shall not prevail. And then Jesus gives his church keys to impact the earth. Now, now, now that, that's quite important because we've been talking a bit about the church because we're not as familiar as they were of the uh, conventus, the ecclesia. So there's a lot of church uh, teaching and what they call ecclesiology today because we're not as familiar. But what they weren't familiar with was teaching about the kingdom. So Jesus has to say to them that I'm going to give you, verse 19, the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, that's a good translation, but it's unfortunate in one sense that the will be bound is a present, uh, active, uh, perfect of the verb to be. And a better literal translation will be has been. It's, a, it's a, a, an event that started in the past and continues to the present. Whereas the NRV says will be, and it almost can be a futuristic sense. But that's not a better translation there. Whatever's not permitted in heaven. I mean, whatever you bind on earth is because it's not permitted in heaven. Has not been permitted in heaven. Has not. And whatever you loose on earth, has been loosed in heaven. So, we're not changing what's happening in heaven. Heaven's changing what's happening on earth. And Jesus says in order to access what has been made available for you, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. And I'm going to give you keys because the kingdom was always the Father's first purpose for this planet. It just means his dominion, the king's domain, that where the king has rulership and dominion. He says that got stolen illegitimately in, in the garden where man committed high treason, where man rebelled, and the keys were lost. 
But God didn't give up on his first plan. And through the nation of Israel, brought the Messiah, through the Messiah, legally took back the keys of, the, of authority over this planet, and then legally gives them to his disciples and to his church. For the same purpose that Adam and Eve were planted in the garden where there was chaos on the earth, they were planted there so that they could restore God's order by building ever-increasing, worshipping, God-loving communities across the planet who would have been engineering and uh, intellectually and in every way far superior to what we've ever accomplished. That was the capacity God put in them to rule this earth. I mean, you see some of these futuristic movies with space age uh, technology and this age. You think that's futuristic. I mean, God already put that in the heart of man when he created him. This planet would have been beautifully run. Everyone would have prospered. Everyone would have been, in natural terms, multi-multi-billionaires. Money wouldn't even have been an issue because we would have all had everything we want, but we would have been a worship, God-loving, God-obeying planet. But because of the fall, God said, I'm going to restore that dominion back to you. It's my kingdom on earth. So that's the message Jesus brought. The church was only the instrument to inject the leaven of the kingdom into the kingdoms of this earth that would be an ever-expanding kingdom and take rulership and authority over the planet. So that's why he's giving them these keys. Can you see how important this is? You can have all the money in the bank, but if you don't know how to access with your card or you forgot your pin, you stand there like a cow in a hailstorm staring at a closed gate. And that's how Christians can live their whole lives. Only when we understand that keys are given to unlock something that's legitimately ours do we pay attention. It was like that for you when you got your first home or, or when you rented a flat or, or when you went on holiday and had to rent a hotel or whatever. Only once the contract agreement was in place could you then get hold of the keys to go and access what was legally yours. My friend, a covenant contract was made by God and Jesus Christ on your behalf. It wasn't even made through you because you would fail it. I would fail it. I'm not able to keep the law in its entirety. And by the way, neither are you. So Jesus came and obeyed the law 100% so that he could legally access the keys that were legit illegitimately usurped in the garden. He could come and reclaim which was rightfully God's. And then he said, now, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Wow. Yeah, I will. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Then he goes on through his parables. What does he teach on? The kingdom. Then he goes through Mount, uh, uh, the Beatitudes, teaching on the kingdom. Right up until his, after his ascension, I believe just before his ascension, after his resurrection, Jesus in Acts chapter 1 meets with the disciples. And what does he spend 40 days teaching them about? The kingdom. So three times church is mentioned because they had some understanding. But the rest of his teaching is around this thing called God's dominion being restored to this planet. Come on, church. 
You weren't just saved to go to heaven. You weren't just saved to sit and wait for the rapture that might come and snatch you out of a godless world. Let me put to bed that myth and say you are called to reign and to rule with Christ on this planet until he comes for a glorious church that the glory of the latter house will supersede the former house. You're not going to squeak out with a little burp. You're going to go out in a triumphant glory, the glory of the king and his kingdom. That's what his purpose, that's what his plan was for this planet. I'm probably running out of time a little bit, but you know, I'm getting over that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for giving me the keys, the keys to the pulpit. So, I want to, over the next few weeks now, move into the subject of what are these keys? Let's move on to this topic of examining maybe week by week one of the keys of the kingdom so that we know how to access what contractually is our right and privilege and begin to push back illegal squatters of demonic oppression and depression, of poverty and sickness and sin consciousness. Let's begin taking territory every foot place you put your foot, see that around you just opens up. What was dark, if you pull back, darkness retracts or retrieves. Is that the right word? uh, Retracts, and when you step forward, it retrieves. Retrieves. Thank you. Whatever. You just take a step forward, and you take new kingdom for the Lord. So, we are going to be sharing this morning on the first of these of these keys, which Jesus gave to us. In fact, this is such an important topic that he told a parable about a sower that sowed his seed. And, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the the parable of the sower, but look at this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. So vital is this message that Jesus brings. Hey, Nita, so important is this message. Hey, Rose, so important is this. Hey, Clint, That, 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 that the enemy's strategy is to come and steal that seed of the understanding of how the kingdom operates because then he can keep us fruitless. That's the essence of what Jesus is teaching on the kingdom. It's the message of the kingdom. Now, this morning we're going to look at this key, the prayer of faith. Say the prayer of faith. This is such a vital and important key to understand that if I can have the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes to, to talk about it, is in his prayer that he taught the disciples, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we did this morning. We just worship our father. And the first thing is that we declare Your kingdom come and 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. Our first place, our first key, if you like, of, of accessing what God has got is simply by the declaration of asking the Father who already knows what we need. Your kingdom come on earth. This world must line up with your kingdom because in your kingdom, your will is demonstrated. Jesus came to show what the will of God was. He went around healing people out of compassion because he was showing the nature of God. He came to say, the Spirit is on me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He came to alleviate poverty because of compassion to see God's kingdom. It was Poverty was never in the mind and the plan of God. And I'm talking about poverty at a man-to-God level. I'm talking about poverty interrelationally, where we are so bankrupt in relationships. I'm talking about poverty in our own expression of the gifts and the, the, the treasures that Christ has placed in us for the generation we're in. I'm talking about the systemic poverty of people who can't put food on their plate. This was never God's plan. He did not have a, 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 some malicious intent to teach man a lesson. No, man chose a path to walk away from the kingdom of God and Jesus came to demonstrate what it looks like. And the first thing he said was, guys, gals, my father knows what you need. What you need to do is ask him for his kingdom to come. And in that declaration, through the prayer of faith, we see Jesus' words fulfilled, the things that I do, you should also be doing. Now you say, yeah, but Steve, now you're walking around wearing a mask. Doesn't that show you, you don't really believe what, you know, that Jesus is more powerful than a, than a little old virus? No, no, I'll tell you what the mask shows. Mask shows I'm trying to be a good citizen and I'm socially aware that some people have got faith for healing and some have got fear at the moment, and we don't want to impose on other, way other people are. So we're good citizens, and we comply as much as we can. But don't mistake that for not believing that his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom, and that his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, and that his kingdom is about power, and that God is setting up the church for the last days when medical science comes to the end of its ability to intervene, end of its... Uh, uh, cleverness to make new vaccines because this little C19 virus might just be the first of a plethora of viruses. And if the church does not rise up and say, God, we're going to have to trust you in the midst of this, who's going to? If there's no vaccine, if there's no antidote, who's going to rise up and say, you know what? We believe if these are the last days, our God said the church is going to be a triumphant church. The kingdom is going to reign. The kingdom is going to expand. And the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. How is that going to happen if we are locked up in fear and anxiety and apprehension? So Jesus starts with, he says, guys, the weight is in heaven. That's how God, your father, wants it here. But he needs the prayer of agreement. It's almost like God has restricted himself to only work on the planet through our agreement. It's a self-imposed restriction because God didn't have to. God didn't have to restrict himself. This was part of his ways of dealing with the planet. 
It's like he could have just rubbed out Genesis 1 and said, begin again. But God doesn't operate like that. Why? I don't know. Ask him one day, okay? But I do know he operates through the prayer of agreement or the prayer of faith, as James calls it. You see, faith comes by hearing the word. As the message of the gospel is proclaimed, in its most simple form, a miracle takes place inside of you. It's called your faith is built up. You see, all, all that the preaching of the word does is it clarifies what God's will is so that your faith can operate. If you think it's God's will to punish this planet with a virus, then, my friend, your faith can only operate at that level. If you think God sent cancer to teach your aunt a lesson so she'd give her life before, to him before she died, then your faith can only operate at that level. So all the prayer of faith is, faith opens up the way so we know what God's will is, so that we can pray accurately. The prayer of faith. Your kingdom come. Now we are convinced that God wants his kingdom to rule on this earth. Now our faith says, Aha, I know what the will of God is. The will of God is to bring salvation to the lost. I know it's the will of God to break their addict's addiction. I know it's the will of God to bring uh, 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 prosperity and sufficiency where there's systemic poverty. Now I know what God's will is. I know how to pray. That's all it is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Key number one. Maybe it's so simple we can miss it. Uh, in fact, I said to Janet the other day, sweetie, is this a good time for confession? You know, this COVID's been quite, you know, the lockdown, not the COVID, the lockdown thing has been quite stressful. You know, why are you trying to be good citizens? You know, halfway through COVID and look at each other and go, phew, we might need counseling on this. I mean, not us, but you know, other people, other, other pastors in other churches. No, I mean, it's, it's not always easy you know, to be walking around on eggshells in the same vicinity in a relationship with somebody or a family. Now, you're all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. So let me move on and say, uh, confession, confession time. I confessed to Janet and I said, the one area I know I've not been strong in is this area of intercession. I've been strong in organizing things, making sure the gospel keeps being preached. I'm strong in my boldness and confidence in that this is the answer for the world. I, I, I'm bold and strong in a lot of things. Some of them get me into trouble. But the area, I've probably not been as strong as I should be. Not because I'm trying to twist a reluctant God's arm, but because he's looking for someone to be in agreement. Now forget about me, how you do it. How are you doing in your agreement with what God's will is for his kingdom to be demonstrated? Come on. In your family, with your children, right now, are you standing in the gap, so to say? Are you coming before God and saying, this area of, of conflict in this person's life where there's continual uh, animosity or, 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 or jealousy or malice, Lord, that stuff's not allowed in heaven. So if it's not allowed in heaven, it shouldn't be permitted on earth. So I've got the right to pray a kingdom prayer of not allowing on earth what has not allowed to happen in heaven. And I do that by simply saying, your word, Lord, shows me 
that we do not have to tolerate a root of bitterness. So Lord, if it's not allowed in the courts of heaven, it's not allowed here. We take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. And in its place, Lord, what is allowed in heaven is forgiveness. Come on. Are you praying forgiveness over people? What is allowed in heaven is, is, is peace. So, 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 Lord, where there's strife, we see in heaven there's peace. So we come into agreement with heaven, and we declare on earth as it is in heaven. And that can take three minutes, but it can transform somebody's life. You won't even know it. You might not see it this side of heaven. But my friend, it's going to be a reality that's going to change somebody's life. The prayer of faith. Your kingdom come on earth. I think it was Bill Johnson who said, most people have repented enough to have their sins forgiven, but they haven't repented enough to see the kingdom of God come. You see, because we so easily stop at, I'm saved, I'm born again, go to church, have my little business, but I haven't understood that the kingdom Desiring to break out. That scripture says that, that bold people, they hold, take forcefully hold of the kingdom. So anyway, I confessed that to her. She forgave me in Jesus' name. Put the cross over my hand. All is forgiven. Again in Matthew 18, Jesus reiterates this to his disciples, while in the context of teaching on the kingdom, he says, I tell you the truth. Well, like he really had to say it. Okay. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you. He just reminded them again. Okay. If two of you agree, what's he talking about now? The church, Ecclesia, two or three are gathered. If two or three of you are gathered and agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Do you understand that, that where two or three come together in my name, there I am with you. When we understand our ambassadorial authority, that we represent the government of another kingdom, like Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I could call on angels if I want to. I don't, I don't need Peter to go running around chopping off ears. This, my kingdom is not of this world. I represent another kingdom. And now as the body of Christ, when we understand that we, when we are two to three together, that are in divine order, in God's purposes, and in the gospel, we can affect change on earth in the same way Jesus affected change on earth. That's the prayer of faith. That's the prayer of faith. And then after this prayer, a little bit later, he says, seek first this kingdom and righteousness. I don't have to spend too much time here explaining righteousness because we know it's a gift, not something we try and earn. But when we put that first, his kingdom, the things that we need, will be added. So there are needs that we all have. Like Terry in the prophetic word this morning about the ravens. 
God has many ways and means to take care. And I think there's going to be so many testimonies that are going to come out of this time all across the church, not only here, but all over the world, of how God has taken care of people and supernaturally intervened. I, I want to tell you that, that for these two months that we've been in lockdown, we have met our budget as a church. I, I mean, that is a miracle. We haven't had services. Now, yes, we've cut back in areas and we've been very uh, frugal where we've had to be. And, and But despite all that, 400 people were being fed, 30 or 40 in the church were being fed. Oh, by the way, there was a baptism for 20 people yesterday that gave their, Lord, their lives to the Lord out of the feeding time. Right, yeah? In the swimming pool. And the provision was there. We could pay our running costs. We could keep up to date. Even, even though there were some salaries uh, cut, it was enough to pay and to live. Amen. Now that is a miracle. And I believe you can also have a story like that for your life. You can also look back on this time and say, what looked impossible, only with God could have been impossible. And maybe that's an area you're struggling with right now and going, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you know, because you can take up an offering. I can't. Okay, which reminds me, we're not taking up an offering. But if you brought an offering, you're welcome to leave it. Or you don't leave it, you bring it. But can I pray for you right now? If, if you're struggling in this area in your, in your heart, I want to pray a very short, simple prayer. Lord, in heaven, there's no anxiety. I declare peace to come right now into our situation. Lord, in heaven, it is said that the righteous will not be forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Those who are willing to work should eat. Those who don't want to work shouldn't eat. Your kingdom makes it clear, Lord, that you will prosper diligent hands. So where anybody, Lord, is saying, I want to work, I release the finances they need right now. I pray for contracts being written and signed. I pray for checks in the post. I pray for refunds that have been outstanding. I pray for contracts that have been reneged and that they'll be brought back into focus. I pray where files have been at the bottom of a pile that they'll begin making their way to the top. I pray for supernatural release and breakthrough in the finance and in provision. Because, Lord, you said you want your children to prosper. And to prosper, Lord, we want our needs met so that we can be a blessing to other people. So we declare this now on earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. When you follow the weather reports of what's happening, they talk about low pressure and high pressure. They talk about... Uh, hot and cold uh, systems. But I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but something about the, 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 the hot air rising fast into a colder atmosphere, and that's where the thunderstorms, thunder clouds are created. And if it happens too quickly and uh, it's, it's too violent, it comes with uh, uh, ice and, and hail and, and lightning. But this is just a picture of the conflict that happens between two 
kingdoms, if you like. And the kingdom of God on earth also comes with a kind of conflict. Because the Bible says Jesus came to deliver all those who were under Satan's control. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, to destroy the works. There was a new kingdom that came in, and there's conflict, and there's, there's things happening, and, and, and God, where are you in the storm? Well, the good news, he was, he's in the same place he was before the storm. But we can very easily take our eyes off him in the storm. And when the disciples woke him up and he rebuked the storm, do you think that was an answer to their prayers? Not a trick question. Some of you scared to say yes or no. Who says yes? Who says no? Who's not going to say anything? Of course it was an answer to their prayer. Lord, we're going to sink. Wake up. Gets up, rebukes the storm. Did he answer their prayer? Of course he answered his prayer. Yeah, the answer is yes. But was that the best he had for them? No. And that's why he rebuked them for lack of faith. Not because they woke him up. Because sometimes we think if we pray and God does something, that's faith. Well, you know, at some level it is. But there's another level of the prayer of faith. Your kingdom come when we speak to the storm. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When we talk to the roots of the fig tree that's not producing fruit in the business that we know it should. There's, there's another level of authority that he's given us, the key of the prayer of faith. That doesn't just pray and wait for God to somehow supernaturally answer our prayers, which ultimately it's always him that is the answer of prayer. But he wants us to be bold to activate and not to pray in a way that's begging God to do what he already said he would do. You don't have to beg him to forgive your sins. I mean, I know we've all been there. Oh, Lord, man. Oh, how can you have? He's like, what? I thought I, did, I dealt with this at the cross. Now I just need you to take hold of it and believe it. Lord, this person is so sick. Lord, I just want to remind you. You know that they had a hard life growing up, Lord. You didn't, you don't, I, of course you saw <laughs> Excuse me. Is that because I'm making fun of your prayer? <laughs> so, prayer is not reminding God of what he already knows. You see, I haven't preached in a long time. <clears throat> Someone's sitting there going, Lord, please, heal his throat now in Jesus. <clears throat> heal. Prayer is not reminding God what he already knows. Prayer is not trying to twist God's arm by making promises. Prayer is not rehashing the whole story like God didn't know it. So, some of you have been in that kind of prayer meeting. Huh? Oh Lord, you remember back in 76? Oh Lord, sorry, it wasn't 76, it was 74. I think it was 74, Lord. Or was it 75? I think it was the year I met my wife, Lord. Oh, yeah, remember when I met my wife, Lord? I'm like, get on and pray. <laughs> In a kind, gentle, pastoral way. In other words, sometimes we just got to say, this root is not 
allowed in heaven. This root is not allowed on earth. This unproductive root does not exist in heaven. I forbid it from operating here. Klar, finished. No long story, no twisting God's arm, no promising to be a better person and not shout at the dog. None of that. Just, Lord, you said, whatever I bind on earth, we bind in heaven. Is this your will I'm praying? Yes. The word came, faith grew in my heart, and now I can pray the prayer. I mean, we've got to start here, church. If we're going to start speaking about the keys of the kingdom, we've got to start here. Can I challenge you this coming week? Why don't we say, this is going to be a week, me included, of speaking to the mountains, speaking to the storms, speaking to those roots, and saying, you're not allowed in heaven. I don't accept you here on earth. In Jesus' name. Come on. Let's stand up together as we finish this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Don't run away now. We'd like to share something with you that came out at our leaders' meeting last Saturday morning. We had the leaders uh, come together at the church, and we asked a number of questions, and we've had a Q&A time. And two of those questions they're going to address now, just in five minutes. The one is, what were the positives and negatives that you personally learned through this lockdown time? And the other question we got to was communion. What's a responsible way for the church to do communion in the time of social distancing and keeping uh, hygiene protocols in place? So those two questions are going to be answered now, and we'll get to some of the other questions next week. What has been the number one thing you've learned in the last 12 weeks regarding your relationship with the Lord? This can be uh, positive or negative. It's an answer. For me, just to have faith, just to rely on God, listen to Him, and just be led by Him, and, and not to stress. Wow. That's a great answer. Have intimacy with Jesus has been really just to dig deeper and have that time with him because then you know the, the rest and the peace comes mm. well it's just faith as well and also for me a big one has been having grace for people because I've realized I think it's now that everyone is in a different place in their journey and um, you can't say you know I'm wearing a mask but you're not wearing a mask and you're correct so it's just this grace for people who are at the place that they're at yeah that's a good thing to learn. Yeah, I definitely think intimacy and spending time with them, and I think most of you know with the feeling of the homeless, for us it's been trusting him to provide every need, and if there's one thing I've learned, he is way ahead of us in meeting every single need that we have. And I'm going to give one testimony. We wanted to give the guys apples one day, and this is one of many. But this one I'm going to say to you, apples one day, 150 guys, we've got 70 apples, and we count them and go, okay, well, we'll have to do it the next day. The next person walks through the door, 80 apples. Let me give you an easy one. When and how are we going to start doing corporate communion? Easy one. Well, I think we need to start at home first and do it amongst our family with our partners, husband, everything. And then as we start doing it in our life groups, uh, you know, at home on a Sunday, do it then as well. Any opportunity. You know, obviously you have to be COVID compliant. 
And remember that that basically is the health the health issue. So if we can have um, you know cleansed um, the little uh, cups, you know, with a little piece of bread. Um, I haven't thought it through, but it'd be great to actually have. I was like, quite sure. Cat clicks do the wafer in a little packet. Yeah, I think I love that, but yeah, it's just it's just expensive. But um, in saying why we come together for communion, I think you know what we're really going to be challenged because why do we have communion? Mm. For health, for sickness, you know, to be a body, to to know that we are healed on the outside, on the inside, to know that our sins are forgiven. To know that we are healed, to know that we are healed. Did you say so we know we're healed? Okay, come up, Hans, come on, select. I was just thinking communion is very important. And um, one thing I thought of actually during the last two weeks is a way to do communion is like everyone brings their own stuff. And you just have a little bag with your thing and you can and you take it at the same time. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be us that gives to others. People can bring their own. It's about uh, so we announce this Sunday that we're going to have communion and everyone brings a little flask and their own. I think that's brilliant. Yes. It's a brilliant and, idea. and then they can do it at the same time at home. So we can have corporate communion and everyone together at the same time, but we just each bring our own. Yeah, nice one. I say I don't know how this would work as far as keeping to the regulations, but in one church we went to in Canada, you know those little glasses that we serve the, the wine in? Well, they had, they had two glasses, one in another one. At the bottom was a small piece of biscuit, and then you put the other one in, into that with your wine. And so the person took the whole thing and they got their biscuit and wine. I don't know how it would work practically.